The Night Shift, episode 106, Cal Gamard and Mike Stubbs. Lots to get to here in the show today. Thank you for listening in wherever you are listening from and get your podcast, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify as well. Uh, you can follow us on socials at Kyle Grimard, uh, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, and at Stubbs980 with two Bs. Mike, you were in Kitchener on Tuesday. Uh, the London Knights have now gone three for three against the Rangers over their past three meetings and a four nothing shutout performance by none other than Owen Wilmore. Talk about the game. Wow. This was methodical at the start. Both teams were patient. They were positionally sound. They were all the things that they can be. And then the London Knights power play cashes in. And that was big. A Casper Halton and shot Oliver Bonk right to the net, tips it in, one nothing, and then it stays that way for a while. And then off a of faceoff as a four on four begins. Sam Dickinson gets the puck to the net. How important is that? Little rebound off Jackson Parsons. Who's there? Denver Barkey and his twenty fifth of the year made it two to nothing. And then the Knights cash in again in the third to make it three nothing. And then it was just about making the Kitchener Rangers go two hundred feet when you've got that lead. You can look at the stats. Take a look at anybody who's winning after the first period or winning after the second period. As much as we used to look back to the days when you could clutch and grab and hang off people, say, oh, well, you know, once you get a lead, it's it's hard to come back. Now it's so much different. There are so many goals. Not really. Not really. The stats back it up that if you get a lead, you have an opportunity to hold it. And I think the Knights showed off the textbook way to do it because you want to make the other team come through you. The Knights gave up four shots to a very good Kitchener Rangers team. Now, they were without Matthew Sopp and without Mitchell Martin and without Trent Swick. They were without Matt Andonovsky. So they were missing some bodies, but they still had enough good players. And this is an excellent hockey team that holding those players to four shots was a feat. And one of them was in the last minute. So this was one of those full marks games. This was okay. Let's see what we've got. Let's see how well we can play. And when the final score is Knights four, Kitchener, nothing. I think you come away. Okay. With that, Kyle. I think so too. And Mike, I, I want to bring this up because I want to get your take on it. Knights have now won three straight games against the Rangers. They have, outscored them in the last just two games, for example, by a score of 14 to three. Uh, if you want to go an extra game afterwards too, it's 18 to five. Is this a mental thing now where London and Kitcher, because you just said it right there off the top, how you describe the game methodical London knew exactly what to do. They were more patient than Kitchener. Their power play was two for three on the night. These just seem to be all of the key elements that is allowing London to thrive over the last three games against Kitchener. I know Kitchener won earlier in the year, 4-2 decision uh, in London. But since then, London's a new team. They've hit a groove. They're 15-0-2 in their last 17 games. Is this, is this mental for Kitchener, or is London just playing this good? Kyle, that's a great point. I think it does become a little bit mental because you've got a Kitchener team saying, oh, these guys again, you know, we tried to turn the game into a rodeo. That didn't work. You know, the physical side of things seems to go the Knights way. Skill sets. Kitchener wants to be able to say they can outskill anybody. And on some nights they can. Well, it was a really skill 
heavy game on Tuesday in that there weren't many hits. There weren't many penalties. What did we talk about after a game in which you've got 27 penalties in the third period? Everybody's wondering what's going to happen now. There was a guy walking through the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. He had a Dave the Hammer Schultz jersey on. And you get six minor penalties that produce power plays. That's it. And so this became about who's better, who's best in the game of hockey. And the Knights ended up winning this. Now, Kitchener's going to say we were missing some guys. When we have our reinforcements, it's going to be a different game. They're not wrong. It is going to be a different game. But right now, they're still going to have to look across the ice and say, these guys again. Is it going to happen again? And that's going to be in the backs of their minds. It, It can't not be. No, it's a great point. No, and, and absolutely. I mean, and you want to make that point, you can come back from the London side of things and like, listen, the lights weren't dressing Michael Simpson in this game. Owen Wilmore started this game. And by the way, I can't believe we haven't mentioned it yet. Save of the year in the first period to keep this game close, really set the tone. What an effort extending off of a point shot that goes off to the right-hand side and with a gaping wide open net, throws the glove hand just on the goal line, keeps the puck out, Mike. It was outstanding. And you know what? That's the first thing we asked Owen about after the game. He just pulled it behind me, and I knew I had to get something in front of it and ended up shooting in my glove. So I feel like I'm due for um, uh, a big save. You know, I feel like it's been a little while, and, you know, it's good momentum for the team. So it's good for that, too. I think we um, held it down great for me and, again, for the team to get that win off. Like, we did a really good job, again, four shots in the third period against Kitchener. It was really, really good. How many saves did you make with your head tonight? Um, I, I had two. I'm pretty sure two pretty solid head saves the one where you rose up to make it did you was that just that's all you had let's get something in the way of this puck well it's more using close my head i knew it was gonna hit my head so i might as well right get as much of my body in front of it and then in the third period late they come in with a good chance was that the second one that went off your head that was the second one so take us through that save you know, push across, guy fires it off my head and try to find where it goes because sometimes you can go a little awkward places off a noggin. Catchers in baseball will say, if you get a foul ball off the mask, your ears ring for a while. How about with the masks right now? You know what? No. Um, uh, you don't really feel it that much unless you get, like, sometimes directly, like, in the forehead. You can feel it a bit more. But those top of the heads, it kind of just deflects and bounce right off. How fun was this? It was good. It was a lot of fun. First OHL shutout. Do you have the puck? Um, I don't, but I, mean, I hope someone does. No doubt they do. Congratulations. Thank you. Owen Wilmore, who says he made two saves with his head. I still think he made three, but he would know. He's the one taking them off the noggin, but he was putting stuff in front of the puck, and you hear him. He says things like, wow, I I was just due for a big save. I I hadn't had one in a while. (laughs) You're just waiting for it to happen. Kyle, as a goaltender, is that in your mind sometimes? I, I need to make a big one at some point? Listen, for the most part, as a goaltender, you are thinking about your your structure, your positioning, your ability to just get in front of shots and be ready for the next one. But I, I, I'm not going to lie, Mike. It's not. It's sometimes in the back of your head where you just think, oh, if I just go cross crease and throw the glove up and make a big save because that changes momentum. Right. Like when you see a goaltender sprawling out on the goal line in a tight game on the road against the Kitchener Rangers and you find a way to keep the puck out of the net. The bench is alive. Your teammates are shooting their sticks on the boards. They are 
loving the big save because that's a sure goal. That puck should have gone in the net. Wilmore does everything possible, throws his hand out, and all of a sudden, things change a little bit. So while you're goaltender, you're thinking about all of your mechanics and everything that you need to do on a day-to-day, that thought still pops in that you want to make a big save for your team. Well, he did, and that was one of 24 saves that he made. And even in a period when you're only facing four shots in the third period, kept that concentration, made the stops when he had to, outstanding. Remember, Owen Wilmore is a guy who got his shot because Brett Brochu was injured and the Knights were looking for a goaltender. And he stepped in, and he did enough to have them say, you know, we like this guy. And they've continued to like this guy First OHL career shutout. And wow, look at this, Kyle. The number came out as the game ended. This was the 2,000th win in London Knights franchise history. Now, that's not counting playoffs in Memorial Cup. That is the 2,000th franchise victory. Pretty amazing. It's it's remarkable, Mike. I mean, you've been around the team for for some time now, too, and you've seen this team go through runs. You've been with this team when they were barely winning any games to begin with. And now they are at a point where they have recorded their 2000th franchise victory. Is there a run? Is there a game or maybe a game or two that sticks out to you that you can really focus in and, and, and pick out? You know what? If we're going to talk regular season, because we don't talk a lot of regular season games anymore. It's all about, hey, remember Bo Horvat's goal with 0.1 seconds left, or remember the Matthew Kachuk, Christian Dvorak game winner as the London Knights won the Memorial Cup in 2016. It's always so easy to find those ones. There is a game. There is a game that I don't think gets enough credit. I mean, if we're going to break down some of them from the regular season – You can go back to any of the ones in 2000, 2001, where the Knights had to win three in a row and Kitchener had to win four in a row, but you didn't realize that was necessarily happening. You didn't believe it was going to happen, and then it did. And the first night at Budweiser Gardens was really special because the Knights fell behind 4-1 to the Plymouth Whalers. Dale Hunter changes goaltenders, not because anything was going wrong, just because he thought, eh, change the momentum. And they come back and they win 5-4 in that game. So those were special nights. But you know the one that I would go back to, the one that doesn't get enough credit? There was a game that no one talks about. It was the game that stretched the streak to 31. Because remember, after the London Knights had set the record, they had... Danny Savret and Corey Perry and Dave Boland go off to camp for the World Junior Hockey Championship. And so they were without those players. Now, they still had a lot of good players left, but it was almost like, okay, now that those guys are gone, they've lost a lot of stars, when is this streak going to end? People were asking. And the Kitchener Rangers came into London on, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, and the Rangers went up three to nothing. At the end of the second period, it was three to nothing. And the Knights didn't have Corey Perry and they didn't have Dave Boland and they didn't have Danny Savret. But you know what? They had Ryan Potroff, who scored his first goal of the year. And that all of a sudden started turning things. The bench looked and said, wait a minute. If Ryan Potroff's going to get goals today, the rest of us are going to get goals. 
And Dylan Hunter set up the first goal. And then Brandon Prust scored from Rob Schremp and Steve Ferry. And so under nine minutes in, it was all of a sudden 3-2. But then it stayed that way. And under two minutes to go, it is still 3-2. And Dylan Hunter finds Rob Schremp in front. And Schremp scores to tie it so that they at least extend this to an unbeaten streak. They go to overtime, and then in overtime, Brian Rodney scores the winner, so the Knights put an exclamation point on it where they end up with a win over the Kitchener Rangers to extend that streak to 29-0-2. Both Ryan McDonald and Gerald Coleman played in the game, and it was Ryan McDonald who came in at kind of the halfway mark after the Knights were down 3 nothing, and he stopped every shot the rest of the way. He faced 10, he made 10 saves, but it's a game no one talks about that I think needs more accolades and more attention because that's the reason that that banner that hangs in Budweiser Gardens says 29-0-2 instead of 28-0-2. Wow. I mean, that's you're right. It's, it's not the game that said it, it's the game prior. I'm... Uh... I'm a big fan of that that mindset, that logistic, because, uh, yeah, that, that's a very different looking banner. And, of course, the streak now 31st consecutive game with a point. And that banner, that team will be etched in history forever. Pretty wild. And the London Knights are now coming off a game against the Kitchener Rangers from 2023-24. And now they face each of their Midwest division rivals back-to-back-to-back in less than 48 hours. This is a tough weekend, Kyle, especially when we look at the way that Owen Sound is playing. But you know what? They will start off against the Erie Otters, and they'll start off against a team that has gone 8-8 in their past 16 games, which is pretty unremarkable, but a team that has beaten them in three of the four games that they have played. And so we asked London Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter about what it is that Erie presents as a challenge. Fast, they're they're very offensive, so we've got to make sure our mind's right for that. So just that speed, and that's where Kyle Malcolm Spence and Kerry Terrance come in. And they are two that are tough to deal with. They had a great first period in Erie in a game in which it was Star Wars night. It was sold out and the Otters had a three to nothing lead. It seemed like Sweet Caroline with the London Sucks chorus. It it seemed like it was playing every time there was a whistle. The place was going bananas. And then the Knights still managed to come back in Erie. So now they take on the Otters and look to not spot the otters a three goal lead to go in and take control of this one early because that's what you have to do against erie well and not just that too you know they were expecting to go in you know erie makes the move early in season to acquire ben goodrow as a goaltender he doesn't play in that game so the knights then run into a guy by the name of charlie burns who plays a pretty special game and allows erie to come out in a victory he makes a few saves in the shootout as well so i'm wondering too if if ben goodrow will be available or if it will be charlie burns again whatever the case may be it's funny because there are just some teams that Regardless of where you are in the standings, they just have your number. And the reference I always go to is a is is a matchup between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabers. Buffalo, for some time now, has been figuring themselves out, trying to get it. Toronto has been in the playoffs for the last seven seasons. 
And every single time, for some reason, Buffalo just seems to be right on par or have the edge against Toronto, despite maybe not having the same talent up front or whatever the case may be. And I feel like I'm not comparing that those two teams right now, but where they are currently in the standings, you'd think, oh, London would just run these guys over. But Erie finds a way. They get up for games against London. They play some of their better games. And maybe they just have a blueprint on what to do and execute. Because so far this season, going three for four is a pretty good run for a team in London that has won 15 or the last 17 games. Yeah, no, that's really impressive. And the Otters are that team that as much as we're going to continue to talk about London and Kitchener and Sault Ste. Marie and Saginaw, and by the way, Sault Ste. Marie ended up playing Saginaw earlier this week, and that was a game that was going to move one of them into a first-place uh, tie with the London Knights, and it was the Greyhounds who ended up winning at 5-3. to three. So we've seen a lot of tremendous matchups, but as much as we're going to talk about those four teams – it's almost the eerie otters that would be a team you would not want to face in Dude. the first round. When you start looking around saying, okay, if we were going to have one of the top teams struggle, who would it be against? And I think you'd get a lot of arguments for Erie. Of course, as we look ahead, Kyle, you might get a lot of arguments for Owen Sound. Owen Sound seemed to be in a lot of trouble. They really did because – they had gone into a snowbank on their way to London on a Sunday afternoon. They came into London. They were beaten 10-0. It was one of several losses that they had been experiencing over a close stretch. And then Owen Sound has kind of dug themselves out of that snowbank and out of a bit of a slide. They're 5-2 <laughs> and two heading into this game against the London Knights. They will be completely rested. They went through a wild 7-6 overtime win over Barry on January 31st. That saw them score five straight goals at one point, and then Barry still came back and forced overtime, and then Denny Gore scored to win it in overtime. So crazy game, and now Owen Sound just gets to sit in wait for the London Knights. But they've turned some things around, and Colby Barlow... He just hasn't been completely healthy this year. He did miss some time with an injury, but you would just look and, and sometimes that little explosiveness that he can have going to the net just wasn't there or something in his stride seemed to hitch. He now has seven goals, five assists, 12 points in a five-game span. So the attack, 5-1-1. One, and one. Over a seven-game stretch, Colby Barlow firing. This is a team that wants to fall into that same category as Erie and be somebody that the big clubs in the standings don't want to face in round one. No, and, and you know, I, I understand that there's a lot of other talent on that Owen Sound team. Denny Gore is a guy that comes to mind, but it, it just seemed like, you know, similarly to last year, this team, I feel, goes as Colby Barlow goes. And last year was his breakout year. This year, he gets named captain. And you're right. At the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, this is a first-round pick of the Winnipeg Jets. You're expecting him to potentially have an even massive you know, 2023, 2024 campaign doesn't get off to the start that he wants, but you're right. Lately, that burst is there. That shot is there. The puck's going in. Maybe the bouncers are going his way as well. And I feel like Mike, after that 10, nothing loss, that was a tough day. The, they don't get there till 40 minutes before puck drop. The game gets moved an hour later. You could, that's just a day where nothing's going to go right for you, but you can tell after that game, that team on the bus ride home said, 
this is it. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to start getting it together. We're going to start playing more structured. We're going to start figuring it out. 5-1-1 in their last seven games, points in six of seven. And Colby Barlow is thriving right now. And I feel like this guy, if he is as hot as he is right now, this team can be another team. Now, the difference between the Owen Sound attack and the Erie Otters for London's case, London's 4-0 against him this year. So London hasn't had as much trouble. And even dating back to last year's playoffs as well, they find a way to take him out. But nevertheless, Owen Sound is playing some really good hockey right now. Yeah, they're not the 10 nothing team, and that'll be the key for the Knights, not having that in their mind that, hey, the last time we beat them, it was 10 nothing. The time before that, it was 8-2. Now they're in Owen Sound, and you've got some things firing the attack's way for one of the first times, really, this year. So that's the second game of the weekend. And then, to top it off, three games in 48 hours, the Knights go to Guelph, and the Knights have had some pretty good success against the Storm. They're 3-0. and They've outscored them 13-3 to in the those games, but Kyle, all of a sudden, Guelph's a little bit different because they did add some veterans around the trade deadline. So it was like they still believe they can make some noise in the West. Very few teams decide to ever go away in the West. Well, Mike, you talked about all the new faces there, but another guy who was able to return to the lineup was Cam Allen, who is a massive leader on that team. Anytime one of your veteran players or one of your standout players is not in the lineup, it it has an impact, whether it's in the locker room or specifically on the ice. When you don't have a player of that caliber out there with you for some time, it it factors into how the team plays, the structure, the jump that you have. So getting him back from injury is massive for this team as well. Um, you know, you get former London Knight Brody Crane, who London knows all about and what he can do to that lineup. He's going to be there as well. And this is now just three teams in three days, Mike, that London is very familiar with. And I feel like we say this every time there's like a two or three game stretch for London, but it's going to be a very telling weekend because you mentioned it earlier. There's the four teams at the top who are trying to do who are jousting right now for positioning, but there's also teams trying to figure out where else they sit in the playoff race, whether they're going to be in the middle, the four or five spot, if they're trying to sneak into the seven, eight, and this is going to be a weekend that starts separating those teams in the middle and bottom of it. You bet it will. And Guelph is a team that wants to be in the mix. And while maybe you aren't going to have home ice advantage unless they can catch the Kitchener Rangers, Guelph's kind of becoming that team on an island that sometimes you see. You get the teams fighting for the last few playoff spots, sometimes one of them fighting to get into the playoffs against others. And then you've got the teams at the top, and sometimes there's a team that just goes out on an island. Guelph is that club right now where they're in fifth place, and they've got a bit of a cushion in either direction. And so now Guelph is going to focus in on what they can do well to go forward in the rest of this season, because you've got after this weekend, roughly 20 games per team. So things really start to sprint after this weekend. You mentioned adding Brody Crane. They added Xander Vecchio, who's from Ridgetown. They added some depth on defense in Thomas Budnick. And now without Michael Bushinger, it's great to have Cam Allen back. Guelph is still trying to get some consistency. Two wins in their past six, and both came against teams below them in the standings. They'll try and catch the Knights. Third game in three and a half days. Guelph will be playing three games in four days. They take on Erie on February 1st, Kitchener on Groundhog Day, and then home to London on the Sunday. Kyle, before we close out, we've got to talk about some news that became official. This was kind of a weird rumor start where you looked at it and you thought, wait a minute. So a logo company 
is coming forward saying they happened to be searching online and found that there was a Brampton Steelheads logo. Wait a minute. What is going on now? And as we know, anybody can make anything posted anywhere and it can get picked up. You got to be really careful in terms of what it is that you're believing. But the Mississauga Steelheads then come out with a statement from ownership that reads, the Mississauga Steelheads are excited to announce a significant development in our team's history. After careful consideration and extensive discussions, we are in the process of conducting the necessary due diligence to relocate our team to Brampton for the 2024-2025 Ontario Hockey League season. And that's coming from the Mississauga Steelheads. Kyle, I look at this and I, I, I wonder, okay, is this going to be better? Remember, Brampton left Brampton and became the North Bay Battalion. They didn't have support. And what is Mississauga lacking? It's not good teams because they've had a lot of those. They're lacking support. And for whatever reason, it's just never caught on. You can say maybe the arena being out of the way and in more of an industrial park is an issue, sure. But Brampton's is not exactly in a different location. And when the battalion were in Brampton, they had three sellouts, three opening night when the 0405 Knights came through and when John Taveras and the Knights came through, those were the sellouts. So it wasn't like they had incredible support for that team. So I hope it works out well. I want to see every OHL team succeed. I wonder, could this be temporary to try and figure out what is going on? Because Brantford has moved from Hamilton. So Hamilton is still a viable OHL location. And then here's, here's just a crazy thought. I have absolutely nothing that suggests that there's anything even being talked about by this. But Michael Andlauer owns the Bulldogs. His... Now, NHL team, the Ottawa Senators, has their American League affiliate in Belleville. Could that team go to Hamilton? Could Mississauga go to Belleville? Could we see the return of the Belleville Bulls? That's kind of what I'm getting at, and I'm I'm going kind of a long road to get there. But I'd love to see the return of the Belleville Bulls. So one move can sometimes precipitate others, but at a time when it always seems like the OHL is full. There are no other markets we could tap into. All of a sudden, you're looking around and saying, hmm, maybe there could be some movement and Mississauga would be the first domino. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Mike. I agree. I, there's so many questions still coming out of this. If it's permanent, if it's temporary. I remember, though, when there was the AHL affiliate for the Hamil- or for the uh, Montreal Canadiens in Hamilton, that building at the time, it was called Cops Coliseum absolutely thrived. I remember going to games there when I was, uh, you know, a young kid, I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And that place was buzzing. They were maybe not a capacity, but they were selling a pretty good amount of tickets for that game. But of course it was in the early two thousands and mid two thousands and Carey price was drafted by Montreal. He played some games for them, but nevertheless, I remember hockey being an absolute staple at cops, which is now first Ontario center. I wonder if you're onto something, if a team from Belleville moves back to Hamilton and that Belleville becomes an opening, we'll have to wait and see.
Ooh, I'm, again, I have nothing. I've talked to no one who has told me anything like <laughs> this that. It's all theory. I'm just trying to move chairs around the deck and like see it. if I can get some sunshine. So we'll see what happens. Knights playing three games in two and a half days in three different cities, seeing if they can stretch this 17-0-2 streak. Boy, has this been a fun run. We'll see what happens this weekend, Kyle. Yeah, gracious. It's been great. It's been one of the best stretches of hockey that I've been a part of with this team for some time. And hopefully it continues. And hopefully you continue to listen to the pod here, the night shift. Uh, you can follow us on socials at Calgramard at Stubbs980 and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Mike, we'll see you over the weekend and talk next week. Look forward to it.